Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Your co-hosts, Jamie Albright and Sarah Rosette, couldn't be more different. In fact, they're a study in contrasts. However, despite all of their differences, they agree that sharing what they wish they'd known, both the good and the bad, is the key to moving forward. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Them podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright, and we're glad to have you here today. Today we have an interview with Amy Dawes. Oh, so good. Amy is one of the funniest people I know. She's awesome. She makes tires and romance and puts them together and makes them funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Amy's a romance writer, romantic. I mean, she writes funny romance books. And um, there was a Huffington Post story about her a few years ago. She um, was having some writer's block and went to get her tires changed and in the little waiting room had taken her computer and for whatever reason began to write, I mean, was able to write and the rest of the story is hilarious. And she talks about it in the podcast. And um, she also talks about branding and yeah. Instagram and, right. and, and, and audio books. And mm-hmm. so we cover a lot in this interview. Yeah. yeah. So She's it's really, really good smart. to have her on. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be good. We'll have that in a little bit. So mm-hmm. this has been just a crazy week. I mean, yeah. We've just got done with another interview that will be out later, and I'm really glad we did it because it kind of got my mind off things, and it was good to talk about something just about writing. But mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but it's been hard for me to get any work done this week. Yeah, it's been really hard. And um, so I'm not sure when this will go out, but you know, this has been the week of um, really when the most of the protests have started, and it's just been really difficult. Um, I, if you've if any of you've done Becca Symes class, I'm um, number one activator, which means that I just, you know, if I have an idea or have a plan, I'm just got to get it into motion, and and I just want to get things done and make things happen, and and then my number three is empathy. So I, all the emotions of everyone, including my own, are coming at me, and not to say poor me, but it's just been hard to focus and. Uh, because it's such an important issue and such an important, you know, the things that are happening are important for our com- country. And yeah, it's been really, hard. yeah. And I just think it's, it's like, I'm high empathy. So it's like, I can't watch the news too much because I feel all the things that are going on so closely. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it just kind of, I just can't handle that. Just mm-hmm. continuing on, you know, day after day after day. Mm-hmm. And then with it coming right after all the COVID stuff, Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of compounded the why I think that's why it's difficult. So I was just going to say, if anybody's having trouble writing, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I think you are not alone that a lot of us are kind of just in a place that feels very odd and weird and it's hard to be productive and put your head down and get words in. So, yeah. And we're worried about our friends, you know, yeah. that's, that's another thing we're, we're worried or family members, you know, for me, that's, you know, I have black grandchildren and, biracial yeah. grandchildren and so it's it hits really close to home for me and yet I'm not I'm still one step removed 
So mm -hmm. it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's mm -hmm. been crazy. In fact, I found, saw this Ted talk that was so good. And, um, this African-American man was doing it and I copied the link and I was going to post it, but then I happened to scroll down and saw that a guy bought his best friend a house and it just made my heart so happy that <laughs> I actually posted that video and then I'll post <laughs> the other video another day. But I just like, I've got to have something that, that is uplifting and happy and where people are being kind to each other. Right. And, um, you know, it's not that you don't continue with the fight. You just have to, for me, I have to have just a small happy break in between some of this stuff. So. Yeah, I think we all need that. So somebody posted a picture of a flower butterfly. This one of my readers that she takes photographs. And I was like, thank you for posting that. That was just so nice just to look at something peaceful for a little just, bit. Just for a moment, yeah, yeah, just to have a break and yeah. and uh, and get back to it, get back to the work. But yeah. anyway, it's been crazy around here, too. My mom and dad were here. Uh, it's her seen them in like three months. And... Um, so that was uh, that was great. We we enjoyed our visit with them, but because of that, I didn't get a whole lot done. I'm working on my edits, and yeah, yeah so just that. Well, that's good. It's got to be done. And yep. let's see. I did want to mention I listened to um, the Creative Pen podcast, and mm -hmm. this I think I'm a little bit behind, but it's the one about the character flaw, and mm -hmm. I'll link to it in the show notes. But oh, good. It was really interesting because the person she had on talked about how the character flaw can be like the driving force in your novel or your series. And I was mm -hmm. so glad she asked about the series question because so many people don't talk about that, mm -hmm. but um, they, he compared it to Jaws. His example was Jaws and how the main character in Jaws, the character flaw was that he was afraid of the water. And in my mind, when I'm trying to think of a character flaw or figure out why a person's flawed, I would never think fear mm -hmm. of the water is the flaw. So it's just a very interesting, mm -hmm. different way to look at things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah, I haven't um, really been listening to a lot of podcasts this week. I, I listened to an old Nora Roberts um, paranormal romance book, and it was really great. And it was it was just sort of I love paranormal romance, but I haven't listened to one in a while. And so it was it was it's been really nice to kind of have that little break in um, what I normally listen to, and mm -hmm. you know. Queen Nora, who doesn't <laughs> can't go wrong, right? Can't go wrong. Can't <laughs> go wrong. So yeah, that's, that's been kind of fun. Uh, the name of the book is dark witch, but it's just one of my author friends recommended it as her favorite normal romance. So I thought, Oh, I'll try it. And it, it was really good. Very entertaining. So yeah, that's cool. That is good. Yeah. yeah. That is so, good. Well, I guess we should get to the interview, but first yeah. I did want to say, I've heard from a couple of people that I've, through the podcast, they've been listening to the podcast and they've sent me messages on Facebook. And these were friends that I've known for years and years, old writer friends that I haven't seen. Mm -hmm. And so shout out to Hannah and Molly. Thanks mm -hmm. for listening. And we appreciate everybody listening and getting yes. in touch. And it's good to hear from everybody. And, and we're sharing the podcast. It's so great. And we know we have sound issues and we're working on those. I mean, it's just <laughs> like, but, but we really love it. And we just, when you when you message us or, or comment, it means so much to us, and and we just are so glad that the uh, interview it's helpful and people are yeah, enjoying the, it. Yeah, that the interviews are helping people. So we we really 
Yeah. We love that. We love it. So, all right, let's get on to the interview. Sounds good. We're really happy to have Amy Dawes with us today. Hi, Amy. How are you? Hi, good. How are you guys? Hey, Amy. We're good. glad that you're here. It's uh, in quarantine, you know, times. This yes. Is, this is regular socializing. <laughs> That's uh, right. That's right. Yeah. Amy, tell us what genres you write in. Um, pretty much just romance. Uh, obviously, there's subgenres within romance. I, I write sports romance and contemporary and rom-com. And um, one of my earlier series is more emotional romance. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much under the romance umbrella. And how'd you get your start in writing? Were you one of those kids that always wrote or did you? Um, well, yeah, I just said I write in romance, but my first book was actually a memoir. <laughs> Um, which I don't, I don't talk about a lot cause you know, I've, I've published 17 books now. So clearly I took a turn yes. after that very first book into romance and I never looked back, yeah. but, um, I'm grateful for the memoir I wrote because I think it's what made me realize I could write a book. Um, my daughter, mm -hmm. Lorelai, she's almost eight years old and we had lots of pregnancy losses before we had her. And, um, I don't know. I, to, to cope with all those losses, I started writing about them and I found myself writing them like a book. I was a big reader back then. I loved romance novels mm -hmm. all the time. And so I found myself, I'd write dialogue and stuff that my husband and I would have during some of those dark moments of our past. And when, you know, I finally had my daughter Lorelai and it was like the light at the end of the tunnel and I could see the big picture of my journey, I guess I wanted to wrap that all up into a book. So I wrote a memoir called Chasing Hope. And it was a great experience, um, you know, to talk about infertility and miscarriage and stuff like that, and to just give voice to a topic that's not often discussed. And, um, but the thing is, after I published that, I was like, but I still love romance novels. And wouldn't it be cool if I could write something that wasn't true, that I could just make up and be more creative with. And so um, that's how I got going. I always have liked writing though, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. growing up, like as a kid, writing was always the easiest classes for me, not yeah. math. Oh God, keep me away from math. Yes. exactly. And now you're Same. having to teach your kid math. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Thank goodness she's in first grade. Cause if I had a high schooler who needed help with trigonometry or something, yeah. I would be in trouble. Yeah. I used to say I, I couldn't be able to do my kids math in third grade. So Pretty much after that, they're on their own. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. As my husband can do it. So, Amy, tell us what your first big success was. Um, I mean, honestly, your first fictional book you published is like a success because, holy cow, you just wrote a book. Like, uh, no, you know, I know, I agree. It's real exciting. Yeah. It's real exciting. Um, when I actually started making money at this, where I thought I could quit my job, um, my day job, and do this full time, was my third book in my Harris Brothers series, which was my, sorry, I'm looking at my bookshelf to count. It's like, I don't know, my seventh book, I think I published, maybe right. Right. seventh, I think. Um, and yeah, that was like my Harris Brothers series, like the first book I published in that challenge made good money. And I was like, wow, this is like, this is actual money. What I did before wasn't like anything like this. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote the next book and it doubled. And then I wrote Keeper, my third book, and that doubled. And that was like life-changing money where mm -hmm. I could feel comfortable enough to quit my job and do this full time. So um, I think it was just a really good series that I branded really well. And it was sports romance, which is a really popular sub genre, I think in romance. And 
It was British brothers that all play professional soccer in England, which is just mm-hmm. hot and easy yeah. to yeah. easy to pitch, you yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, that was my first book where I was like, okay, now I can quit this job and, and write more. Okay. And you're all in with Indy, right? You're not. Yep. I'm all in yeah. with Indy. I have them yeah. since day one. So yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and then what I want to ask you about is because you're, that was your first success, but you're kind of famous for something else. <laughs> you, um, Amy is the author. I don't know if our listeners know this, but there was a, was it a tweet, Amy, or was it just a post? Um, well, I started, uh, it's a, t- I was, oh, <laughs> it's such a funny story. It's, it's a funny it's, story. It was a it's whole the, it's, the, it's the tire store story. She's yes. the tire store author. So but, t- tell the story. Yeah. There's not there's not many people that can claim to be famous for writing in a tire shop. Let me tell you that. Yes. So <laughs> if, if nothing else, I get that claim to fame because right, nobody right. else wants it. Right. Um, <laughs> no. So I like I said, I quit my job after I released Keeper. And I had this big duet to write. It was the fourth brother and the Harris brothers. And I was all jacked up to um, make his book the best ever. And I was going to make it a duet because he, I'd been teasing his backstory Mm -hmm. so much. And he was such a big character with such a big backstory. And I was like, I'm going to make it a duet and really give it to him. And I like quit my job and started working from home. And I, I could not write. I could not write for the life of me. And it was terrible. And I was panicking and I'm crying all the time because I was like, I've lost it. I shouldn't have quit my job. Like that was yes. a part of what kept me hungry or something. Um, but one day I went into a little place called Tires, Tires, Tires to um, get some new tires. And I brought my laptop with me because they have a great customer comfort center. Free coffee, free cookies, awesome seating. Like, it's just like a legit waiting room, you guys. It's legit. <laughs> and um, I went in there and I, I describe it as like the sun shone on me and the sky <laughs> like twinkled. I heard angels singing. <laughs> And all of a sudden I could write and I was writing like crazy in that freaking waiting room. And I was probably there for six hours and my tires maybe took an hour and a half, but they didn't care. I mean, the guys there didn't seem to mind. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started going back because it was so great. I had to get an oil change on my car. I took my sister's car in and through the process of me going back there for as many visits as I could milk out of that place, um, I started posting about it on social media and it kind of blew up because I think yeah. it was just so random and yeah. so crazy enough to be true. And so it went a little viral on social media so it much did. so so much so that like BuzzFeed got a hold of um, mm-hmm. a post on Facebook and then got in touch with me and asked if they could interview me. And then it really blew up. Then all these blogs, like mommy blogs, because I was like a mom, they wanted to interview me about a romance novelist who sneaks into a tire shop (laughs) to write her book. And um, yeah, and then I decided to write a book about that. Um, It's called Wait With Me. And that was another really successful book for me because obviously I had like national media attention, even Canada, like some Canada radio (laughs) station had me call in for an interview. I'm like, I cannot believe this is my life. And I'm talking about writing in a tire shop, but um, it's a great, funny rom-com. And it was so easy to write because so much of it was like, things that happened to me. None of the hot and steamy things, I will uh, say. Sadly, sadly. <laughs> sadly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, who knew a romance novelist who sneaks into a tire shop would make such a great story? 
<laughs> right. And that story has got new life now because of passion. Flicks, right? Yeah. It just, it just got optioned for film rights from passion flicks, which is like, you know, steamy Netflix movies, basically mm-hmm. uh, the steamy version of Netflix that we all yes. want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. Um, yeah. And it's two years old now and that just happens. So it just goes to show that a book can really have long legs on it sometimes. That's awesome. Uh, it just gives me chills every time I hear that story. I love it. It's the funniest story ever, but I love that they're doing a movie too. Cause I think yeah. Just, oh my God. I, I still can't fully let that sink in. I'm yeah. just, dying. I'm dying for it. That's great. That that's is so fantastic. Awesome. And I think part of it that's so entertaining is that it's such a contrast because tires and romance, you know, they don't really, you don't think they go together. No, no. Just a combination. It makes it funnier. (laughs) I still write at that tire shop too. Uh, The the guys found out about what I was doing throughout that whole process and they thought it was hilarious and they welcomed me with open arms. And now I go in there to write, not right now, obviously, because we're kind of social distancing um, stuff, but I will literally go in there anytime I feel like a free cup of coffee <laughs> and, and a cookie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those cookies are good. That is a great story. That's yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so what, tell us uh, what you wish you knew about writing and craft. Like looking back, what do you wish you had known? Oh gosh. You know, I, I think when I hate, I hate reading my first series. I cringe so bad. (laughs) Um, there's just so many craft things that I did incorrectly, like telling and just maybe not enough character development and things like that. But it's so funny because you talk to your diehard readers and they still love it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I will say that while I always want to improve my craft and do everything I can to get better with every book, Ultimately, if you're telling a good story and you're a good storyteller, uh, it's like, that's really all that matters. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, if I could go back, I would have maybe taken more writing courses in college so that I didn't develop bad habits and have to kind of break those as I've gotten, as my career has progressed and I wanted to level up. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, I I just think as long as you just really work on, um, you know, making sure that you're passionate about your story, it, it can work whether you have the perfect craft or not. That's right. That's right. Now, tell us what you wish you'd known about marketing um, back in the day. Oh, boy. Um, well, marketing such a, a hustle, you know, like <laughs> it know, yeah. is a grind. And then when you're just starting out, you feel like you're speaking to an empty room, you know, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. your posts don't get a lot of interaction and things like that. Um, I will say so much of what social media is, isn't necessarily hard selling your books, but it's hard selling your personality. Mm-hmm. And whether you are an introvert or an extrovert, there are ways for you to try to display that part of yourself and let readers connect with you on a real level. Because even if they love your books, if all you're doing is posting about your books and your blurbs and things like that, they're not having a personal connection with you. Right. So, and, and ultimately social media is there to entertain us, you know? And, uh, so I, I really think you got to just find your voice on social media and keep hitting that those points. So, because readers like to be reminded what they love about you for me, like there, we, I, we talk about on Instagram, you have pillars, um, like the four pillars or five pillars. I don't even know what it is exactly, but you have your pillars on Instagram. So it's things that your readers know you for, for me, it's my daughter. Mm-hmm. It's charcuterie boards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tires, tires, tires. 
Um, it's uh, Tipsy Amy, which I like to have a few drinks and, you know, do stupid Instagram stories. <laughs> and, you know, so those are like some of the pillars that my readers know me for and love me for. And so I just keep serving them that. Um, and then they continue to connect and be reminded, oh, this is Amy, you know. Yes. Um, one other thing I wish I'd known, uh, taglines have become a really big part of my branding more recently. Like mm -hmm. you come up with a sharp tagline, a one liner, like line that you can put on all your graphics to remind them what this book is about in one quick sentence. And you serve that to them over and over and over and over again. I don't even care that much about teasers anymore mm -hmm. and fun quotes from my book. It's all about the tagline, but you got to make sure that tagline's strong. Um, for example, uh, my most recent release, One Moment, Please, the tagline is uh, that awkward moment when your ER doctor has to inform you that you're pregnant with his baby. Yes. So, Perfect. You know, Who's not going to read that? Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, instantly it's going to be funny and mm -hmm. shocking and, oh my God, like I want to see that scene. Mm -hmm. um, the book I had released before this, Blindside, one of my sports romance was uh, Never Have I Ever Given My Virginity to My Best Friend. Um, never have I ever is a, there's a big scene at the beginning of the book that involves that game. So you're getting your taglines in there or you're getting your, um, best friend trope in there. Yep. This kind of sexy, never have I ever thing. And the virgin trope like is yes. all dropped in one line. Yep. So, and it's just a matter of serving it over and over and over again. So right. that's, that's my well, little marketing. Even with your most recent one about the ER doctor, I mean, that's a surprise baby. I mean, yeah. clearly yep. in trope cell, we all know that trope yep. cell. So mm -hmm. those are great. Yeah. And you just had a book release. This yeah. Yeah. A week ago. Last week, a week ago. Last week. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So is it going well? Yeah, it's my best release yet. Oh, I, that's fantastic. I got up to the teens on Amazon. I've never wow. done that before, so that's a fun milestone. And yeah. tell me, man, taglines. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Well, that's a great tagline, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just yeah. awesome. And you've got so much in there. That's like you've got the trope and a lot of the things that readers are going to get in the book. They mm -hmm. The tone really of the cool. book, yeah. The tone, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's really good. I think that does, does it take you a long time to come up with those? I don't, it's a lot of, I, um, I call myself queen Victoria. Cause you guys watch the show Victoria on PBS. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she's so young and little when she starts to become a queen and all she does is seek counsel from everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, she seeks counsel in her prime minister and her husband and all these people in her life. And so that's what I do. I seek counsel and I get reactions <laughs> yeah. from whoever will listen to me. So it's some of my closer reader friends, my yeah. author friends, um, you know, and I have certain author friends that are real savvy in marketing. And so I'll hit them with that. And, you know, it's a little, sometimes it's a matter of fine tuning and just mm -hmm. getting that exact perfect quote or, right. you know, I, and, and it's a big brainstorm thing too. Like I throw everything out there and then I just start like with a plain old word document and just start throwing bad things out there. Cause sometimes bad ideas roll into good ideas. Yeah. I think, um, Jake Dorn, who was a, a guest of ours, he says, your, your best idea is going to be the 20th idea or something to that effect. Like don't just do the top 10 ideas, go on down because it's going to be that 20th or 21st idea that that's the gold right there. And so I, really I'll good. even throw bad ideas to my friends for their stuff because it might spark something good for right. them. Do you know right. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you just, you just, it, that's, it's like a stream of narrative because right. something uh, I'm in a brainstorming group that we meet once a month and yeah, I mean, sometimes if we're brainstorming a story, I'm like, I kind of know what I want the feel, like if it's their problem, the feel. So I'll just say something. I know it's not right, 
yep. but it has the feel of what I'm going for. And then that, it just kind of sparks stuff for people. I love that. I love that. Exactly. Exactly. And I will say Amy's Insta stories are hilarious. Y'all should follow her on Instagram. <laughs> they are funny. I, in what you're saying about talking into the void, I've been doing, I'm not real good on Instagram, but I'm trying to get better. So I've been doing stories on there. And you know, the first, I don't know, five days, nobody, I didn't have any reaction, but every day I get a little bit more, yeah. you know, a like or a heart or somebody comments. And so it is, you just have to kind of keep doing it and, Mine still aren't great, but they're, I'm trying. You well, know. and you, and you got to find your voice that works yes, exactly. for you. And I like to try to make it as true to me as I can. Cause then it doesn't feel like work, you know, right. yeah, like you're not forcing it. It's oh, I never like, think that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, it's almost like you're, you're just inviting people into your life, into yeah. your home. Yeah. So that's so yeah. great. I, I yeah. love that. Thank um, you. You're welcome. Um, so have you, uh, what assumptions did you make at the beginning of your writing career? Looking back, did they turn out to be right or wrong? Um, gosh, I don't, you know, I think everybody, when you first start writing out, you assume you're going to make money. Like you yeah. assume <laughs> that you assume that you could be that one person that just has a hit. Mm-hmm. And you also assume that your writing is the best. Mm-hmm. And you assume that if just one author would read it, then your life is going to change, you know, and um, that is all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it is. So, so wrong. Your writing is not the best. You, there's no author that could read it that could make your career. Uh, like, it's just not. You gotta, it's just, you know, you just gotta be patient and do your thing and, you know, find your way in this industry one step at a time. Yes. Um, you know, so I think I totally assumed it would be easier than it was. And uh, it's a it's a long journey. And but it's a fun one. It's really rewarding. And when you do finally start making money at it and being successful, you know, you earned it, you know, yes. it's yeah. a good feeling, isn't it? I mean, it's like, I, you know, today was the KU payout day. And that, you know, I looked and I went, I did that. And it's a good thing because this whole time it's kind of scary. And so it's, it's just that feeling. Yeah. yeah. There's really nothing like it. Yeah. I know Sarah feels the same way too. We, we've talked about yeah. that a lot. Just knowing you yeah. made yeah, that I think, difference. I think sometimes it's good not to know exactly what the road ahead is going to be. Like if you knew, like I think it's sometimes it's good to have those assumptions that it's all going to go great because, you know, if you think that, it's not, then you might not do it. So if you knew yeah. like how it was going to turn out, you might, it might hold you back. So sometimes it's yeah. good yeah, to exactly. uh, press ahead without knowing. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So we, um, one thing, you know, we want to talk about like what, what lessons we've learned and um, things that have gone wrong, but we also want to know, have you ever made a mistake that turned out to be a good thing? Um something that maybe I've learned that isn't necessarily a good use of my time is anthologies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've learned I'm not good at short stories. Uh, so like, even though I only need to write 5,000 words, um, I'm a lot, like my books are usually about 90,000 words or more. Uh, I try to keep my rom-com shorter, but I often fail. <laughs> um, and so I, I've learned that with anthologies, I have to be super choosy because it will take a lot more time than it should. And that's time that is better served writing a new full length for me. Right. Um, so, you know, I try to be choosy on anthologies. And then have I ever made a mistake that turned out to be a good thing? Right. That was your other question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Oh yeah. What I was going to say, I was like, I had an idea for this. What was it? Um, (laughs) My last release, my most recent one, one moment, please, which is my best release to date. So Mm -hmm. really great. Um, I was all Jamie, I was at that retreat with you and I was all in my head about this is supposed to be rom-com. And I gave the hero a really dark backstory. Like, how can I make this rom-com? I screwed this up and now I'm in too deep. I can't go back. It's too late. Like if I go back, it's a huge rewrite. And I don't usually have a lot of rewrites. That's just not my um, style. And so I was like, God, I'm so, I'm screwed. I'm screwed. I'm screwed. But I kept um, thinking I was screwed and talking about the problem. And I, you can't fix what's not on the page. So I had to just get out of my dang head and get it written down. And I sort of wrote it and I was like, wait, this is okay. Okay. I got through this and it still is a rom-com, you know, like this is okay. And so the release, I I was kind of nervous. I I did not tell anybody Mm -hmm. that I was probably going to make them cry in this book. I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to keep that Mm -hmm. to myself. This is rom-com guys. This is rom-com, you know? And, um, what I'm getting are these amazing reviews and comments from readers that are like, Oh my God, Amy brought us a rom-com and hit us with all the feels that I need. And like, it's just, it's a, full circle moment, you know, even though there's an emotional breaking point in the book, like you can still really appreciate a great story that's got humor and feels and emotions. And so, um, it was a good, it was a good mistake, you know, maybe giving, um, a rom-com hero, a dark past, because I think it, it forced readers into a story that maybe they would have been nervous about. Mm -hmm. Um, but ultimately they're all loving. Right. But it's, that is a fine line. It, yeah. It's a fine line because in the book I'm writing now, I wanted him to be a professional football player that had just gotten out of rehab for uh, prescription drug abuse mm-hmm. it, I, because it's rampant. It is just opioid abuse is rampant in, in professional football. And I tried, but turns out drug rehab and drug addiction, they're not funny and there's no really way to make them funny. And I did not want to, I did not want to cheapen it or make it, try to make light of something that really is serious. And so Mm -hmm. I took it out. I I mean, we talk about, I talk about it in the book, but I don't, I didn't give that to him because I I tried for months and it just, there's just no good way to do it. So sometimes you just, yeah, it is tough. So, but but on the other hand, it sounds like you really pulled off whatever your issue was, you know, his issue. Was. Yeah. 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 So. And maybe I, you know, I was just too in my head about it and it could yeah. be okay. You yeah. know? Um, yeah. So on the, so fl- the flip side of that is, have you ever um, like had something you thought this is a home run, like this is going to score big and then it just didn't do what uh, you thought it was going to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I wrote this book with a South African hero Uh and um, it was going to be a set. It was going to be, it it is, it's a published book. It's out there. It's called called payback and it has a sex tape scandal in it. Uh And, you know, basically a heroine accidentally films a sex tape of them having sex right at the beginning of the book on her phone. Uh And um, she keeps it because she thought he was a stranger. And then they re they're, reunited later of course all for each other and she's got this big secret and you know so um I really I thought that sex tape scandal was going to be strong in my marketing and everyone was going to be like gobble this up and I Mm -hmm. think it was just 
not something that made people want to click. I don't know why exactly. They just, they weren't into it. Um, Now, luckily, I wrote uh, the next book, Blindsided, and that couple from Payback that had the sex tape scandal is featured prominently in Blindsided. So Payback got a whole new set of legs when Blindsided released. So even though I love the story and I think it turned out great, um, I do kind of think a sex tape scandal isn't necessarily what my readers want from me. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's kind of hard to turn that around, especially if your heroine is somehow involved. You know, that's yes. hard to redeem that sometimes. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, get that. Exactly. I get that a lot. Yeah. Well, you talked about anthologies being something you've given up. Are there other things you've stopped doing, tasks or goals or that you've delegated, you know, because they're just not they're just not worth your time or it's your time's better spent doing something else? Yes. I mean, definitely I've learned that m- Nobody can write the books for me. So like there's nothing better for me than to be writing books. And even if I'm not actively writing, um, I can't be bogged down with busy work too, because that doesn't give my mind time to like refill the creative tank, you know? So I have a great PA. Her name is Julia and I've passed so many tasks off to her. She runs my arc team. She runs my blitzes. I don't have a PR company. Like we do everything in house. And so Julia kind of manages that. We set up an email account for her and bloggers can email her and I don't have to intercept all those emails anymore. Um, if there's ever a problem, I absolutely get involved and I get all the notifications for the emails. So sometimes I peek at them just Mm -hmm. to make sure everything's going smoothly in Julia's world. Uh, and she would tell me if it wasn't, but you know, I like to keep an eye on everything and, but it's nice to just swipe that notification away Mm -hmm. and know that Julia will deal with it when she sees it. And, um, cause you know, there's just so many little things, administration things that take a lot of time. And so I need to save that energy for writing because Julia can't do that for me. Right. Right. That's That's great. Because I think a lot of people are curious about working with assistants and um, like how, how did you transition to that? Did you start off with just a couple of things or did you just hand off like a big project or how did you do that? I definitely, it was um, a work in progress. Julia started off as a beta reader for me once and I really liked how she communicated and, you know, we had a good dialogue there. And then I asked her if she wanted to run my reader group um, to help be an admin there. And she said yes. And she did a great job there. And slowly I just started giving her more tasks and paying her more money. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And we like, she's been my PA for over two years now, maybe three. I got to, Oh, well, that's great. So, and it's just great to the trust level there. She even, run some of my PayPal stuff. Like when I go to signings and I have invoices that have to go out for people that pre-order books, she can do all that for me too. Cause there's just such a good trust level there, which is awesome. That's great. Well, yeah. that kind of segues us into our question specifically for Amy Dawes, which is <laughs> audio and stuff like that. Does she help with your audio? Because you were kind of one of the first KU readers, I mean, KU writers to do your own audio, right? Or- um, I don't know if I was the first, I guess. You were in the, yeah. 
I've been doing my own audio for a while though, okay. which is, okay. which is unique. I think, because I think a lot of people were scared of audio at first and mm-hmm. still are, you know, it's, it's an expensive, um, part of our business that you, you get nervous about if mm-hmm. you know, get your return on investment. Um, Julia definitely helps me with my audio. She proofs all my audio books now too. I used to proof my own. It was a control thing for me, yeah. but then again, that's literally like nine to 10 hours that I could be spending writing. So, yeah. Um, and I don't need to listen to my book again. I wrote right. it. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. I do always listen to a little bit so I can hear my narrators. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been producing my own audio on ACX for years now. So it's just ACX or do you use Find Away 2 or you just kind of do an only um, ACX? I only do ACX and mm-hmm. I still at this point am exclusive to ACX mm-hmm. where you can do the exclusive royalty option. I know mm-hmm. there's a lot of authors going wide and having lots of success. For me, though, I'm still having success on ACX. Anyways, so yeah, I do uh, exclusive on ACX um, productions and hire my own narrators and Mm -hmm. all that. And I've had great success staying exclusive. So um, I'll continue to do that until I have the mental capacity (laughs) to try a lot. Yeah. Um, So tell us about how you promote audio. Yeah, um, audio promotion is huge. I think it's a big reason why I've been able to keep going with my own audio. But the biggest thing I tell authors is to make sure you're um, publicizing somewhere every step of the audio process from looking for narrators to casting your narrators to um, now they're recording it and now we're proofing the audiobook. Now it's headed to retail. Like there are so many steps to that process that is valuable information for your listeners. So um, just make sure you're talking about it, making graphics, getting them excited as you know, everybody anticipates the release. Um, I also really partner with my narrators as much as I can. And like Erin Mallon is, um, she just recorded my book, One Moment, Please. And I said, hey, if you can record a video while you're recording my audio, um, I could post it and use it for promotional. So I have yeah. that now. It's ready to go. I'm holding on to it until basically I, ha- I send my book to retail. So mm-hmm. there's some kind of excitement to build um, for the release. But, you know, it's it's a whole nother part of this business and it's time consuming and it's hard. But for me, it's paid off. I've been consistent with it for a long time. And um, I feel lucky I got in early on audio. How soon after you release a book does the audio come out usually? Um, So it varies for me. And tons of authors will say, uh, release your audiobook with your ebook. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's absolutely beneficial. It never works that way for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am always behind on my deadlines. I'm always feeling like my readers are stir crazy for another book and I'm not going to make them wait another month while I wait for audio to be finished. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my last book blindsided, my audio came out 10 weeks later, like, which was so oh, yeah. long yeah. and it is almost my best selling audio so oh, far. Yeah. So for whatever reason, um, it didn't matter. And I don't know why that is exactly. I will say I've always said an audiobook will only sell as good as the ebook. So if your ebook is has lackluster sales, don't expect your audiobook to make up for that. You know, I think there's an algorithm in place there that Amazon has set that I don't think you can really combat with an audio release. Um it doesn't mean you shouldn't invest in your product and make it available to all readers. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's, 
I will say I like blindsided was a good release for me. And I sort of wonder if that's why the audio did so well. Now I'm interested to see what happens with one moment, please. Cause that audio is still not out and the book's been out for a week. So, and that book did good an ebook. So I'll be anxious to see if it does good or as good as blindsided on audio, you know, I just, just, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure. And then there are Facebook groups, right, that promote, that promote audiobooks. Yeah. Yes. And do, are you on those? And oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm on those, and I'm I have a voice there. Do you know what uh, I mean? I've yeah. Hard, I've worked hard to create a relationship with those listeners. Um, oral fixation, which is A U R A L, oral fixation. They are almost to ten thousand followers right now. It's a super active group, super passionate audio listeners, and I always what I love about audio listeners is a lot of them aren't even readers, mm-hmm. so they are literally brand new yeah. um, readers. You know, it's a whole new pocket of income for you, basically. Mm-hmm. So um, I've worked hard to create a fun like relationship with those listeners in that group as well. And you can share your news there too. I mean, they're very open to promo. Mm-hmm. They don't want you, I, I, they don't want drive by promo, you know, where mm-hmm. you're, you, you drop in once in a blue moon just to, yes. you know, hard sell your audio, but um, they get excited when you've cast someone or anything like that. So um, I definitely recommend oral fixation and there's a few others out there that are great too. Right. Because they audio uh, book listeners, they get as excited. I mean, like they have favorite narrators, yeah. like people have favorite authors. And yes. um, yeah. 100%. So if you can get some really good, narrators that really yeah, gets them going. I agree. Yeah. Casting, casting is very important. Um, who you cast for your narrators because these narrators have their own followings as well. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, if you have a lackluster book and it's narrated by the best narrators ever, a, a lackluster book release, sorry, not mm-hmm. book, your book's probably awesome. I mean, most <laughs> of us work really hard to make our right. books as great as they can be. Right. But if the release is kind of never takes off and you cast the best narrators and drop all this money on them, it, that's not a guarantee that it's going to sell. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can do sometimes a second launch with audio. Like you get your, if you release the ebook and then you wait and you release the audio, you can get kind of a second boost. Yeah. And that can make a huge difference to like sustaining sales. Agreed. And yeah. thanks for bringing that up. Cause that's something that I, me and my PA do all the time too. I basically do audio release blitzes. Um, or review blitz review tours because you get codes from ACX for review. So um, we send them graphic packets and social media stuff they can post and, you know, and listening graphics, all that kind of stuff. So we do, especially when they're 10 weeks apart, like, you know, we have the time, like we're not, we're not chasing all the release, the new release stuff anymore. So why, why wouldn't we make this a big old like release blitz with our audio? So I'm curious, do you do like giveaway codes in the groups or do you, is it more just, Hey, this book is out. Um, I do both. Yeah. I do lots of giveaways. I've had bloggers do giveaways for me. Um, back when I had tons of codes, ACX has recently tightened their reins on how many codes Mm -hmm. they're giving out. So, um, this will be my first release since that's happened. So I don't yet know how tight that'll feel or how different that'll feel. I'll, I'll definitely be more choosy on who I give audio to though, for sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And one other, can I have another quick question on mm-hmm. um, the audio? Do you do like, I know some people are separating their lists, like their email list and they have audio listeners and ebook 
and print readers. Do you do that? Or I do not. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I, either. So I'm just curious. To me, that feels like a lot of work. Um, yeah. And my PA does do my newsletter too. I didn't mention that before. She she always kind of puts it together. I come in, I judge it, I give it the Amy mm-hmm. Amy wording, and then she sends it out. And I've never separated because I guess I always want to keep talking to the audience, even if it's not about what exactly they're interested in. Because you know what, maybe there's somebody that only reads eBooks, but like they've heard me talk about audio so much now, they're going to download an audiobook because they're like, God, Amy just won't shut up about these audiobooks. I should try one. Um, so that's definitely uh, one way to look at it. It's also the conveniently easier way to look at it because, yeah, yes, you know, I agree too. <laughs> Because breaking down your newsletters like that, um, I still have random people on my newsletter list that are annoyed that my book's not on iBooks or Barnes and Noble. And I'm always like, "Ah, I'm sorry, I've been in KU for a few years now. I don't know how long you've been on my list or maybe you just joined. I'm sorry if, you know, that happened and you didn't know. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, so it's... It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't separate them for the same reason. I think that a lot. There are a lot of people that won't listen to audio because they say they can't concentrate or whatever. But there are a lot of people that will switch over. I'm a huge audiobook listener, and I'll do the whisper sync thing. Like, isn't that what it's called? Whisper sync. Mm-hmm. Uh, download the book and the audio. Yeah, so oh, I, I love. I love yeah. Whisper Sync, especially yeah. if you got the ebook for free. Oh, yes. God, that's a yeah. bargain. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> it is. So what changes have you seen over the course of your author career and how have you adapted? Changes have I seen in my own career, you're saying, right? Yeah, or just in the business in general. Um, well, for my own career, definitely talking about um, managing my time efficiently and keeping myself available for the things that people can't do for me, which is writing. And um, there's still things that I won't let go of. You know, I do my own cover design and a lot of my own graphics. My PA does some graphics, but for the most part, my branding and stuff is all done by me. Um, And I think I'll always be that way. My background was in video production and I had a lot of graphic work with that. So I think that's just going to always be a part of my process. Mm -hmm. Um, So for changes though, it's just, I had to let go of that control of wanting to have my hand in everything and wanting to reply to every blogger, like as much as I'd love to, um, you know, it's, there's just too many now to really uh, be able to do that efficiently and write books. So like my PA though, we talk a lot about our tone we use with bloggers to make sure like when she's speaking, it's like with my name on her lips. So she's nice and polite and all this. And she totally gets that, which is good. Yeah. Um, Changes over, did you say you wanted to know what the changes were in the industry? Yeah. Or in romance or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I don't, you know, I will say it's such a hit and miss thing. You know, just when you think you got Amazon figured out and your releases figured out, your next book could kind of tank, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) It's good to, it's good to keep an eye on everybody's releases and see how everyone's doing to just always keep that hunger and that drive. This isn't like a one size fits all. And I can't apply the same formula from one book to another and expect the same results, timing and tropes and stories. And there's so many factors. So it's just always a matter of, you know, watching the industry and not getting too comfortable. Right. And so during this time that 
we're in right now. Um, I, you just released a book, so clearly you're not holding back on releases during COVID-19. Are yeah. you just going along as usual, or have you made some changes here and there? I'm 100% operating business as usual. Um, yeah. I, I think readers are looking for the escape now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's tons of readers at home, <laughs> you know, that yeah. are needing something to escape in. And so I, so far my book release did great. I was a little nervous. I, you know, I'd be a fool not to be, I don't know what yeah. is going on out there and how people are feeling and where their mental capacity is. Like, do they even want to read or are they just so stressed, locked onto the news? Um, I think my timing was okay. I think I'm right in, like everybody's now kind of settled into, we're home now. This is what our life is for now. Let's just make the best of it for now. So I'm anxious to see what summer will look like when the world starts opening back up. Um, Because if it were me, I would be like tossing my Kindle and like (laughs) running somewhere. I don't even like to run, but I think I'm just running. (laughs) I'm just going to camp out at the movie theater. Like I'm going to go at 10 in the morning and I'm going to stay there until 10 at night. I'm going to watch every movie that there is. I yeah. am so that is, I just miss it. The other night we were watching a movie and I went and got some fruit snacks or something. My husband looked at me and said, I can't have popcorn. There's no movie theater popcorn. <laughs> I know. I miss the movie theater popcorn too. It's, just, it's the craziest thing. Why that? But it is. It's, it's going to be like so. after world war two, when they had like the economic boom, when everybody was like, we have, we're going to be like, we have freedom. We can go do yeah. things again. Then, you know, it was like, now we have, more money and more options. I think it's yeah. just going to be, we're just, I'm going to go out to eat. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite restaurants. I know. Like every day. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. I have a list of places. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I know. And vacations. I think vacations oh, are going to be huge. So, yeah, you know, nice. I think it's, I think it's good for us to just keep operating business as usual and keep writing and right. keep giving people stories and ride the wave. However it goes like right, right. now it's good for me, but next mm-hmm. month or the month after it could be bad. So, right. You know, ebbs and, and flows. Been, yeah, it's been kind of weird because I'll have maybe four or five just huge days, and then I'll have two or three not so much huge days. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. and it's it doesn't follow the normal cycle of like the weekends are big and that it's just random. And I think it's because because nobody are knows having, what day it is. No, nobody nobody know knows if it's the weekend or not. Yeah, it all feels like the weekend. I guess. Yeah. Well, and the world of romance, it's weird too, because Amazon top 100 looks very different right now. I don't know if you guys have been looking at it, but like, there's not many romances. I mean, usually yes. when I am watch rank stocking myself, <laughs> there's others that are released around the same time as me, and I watch to see if we rise and fall together. Because I always mm-hmm. feel better if I'm rising and falling with a fellow releaser. You know, mm-hmm. then I know. These are normal ebbs and flows, and it's not my book's yeah. journey to the yes. bottom. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, right now it's just lots of Amazon Prime stuff and thrillers, and it's just a very different looking top 100. So I feel really grateful that mine is hanging out with them because, yes. man, there's maybe eight indie romances in the top 100 oh, last so I looked. I haven't looked, but that is so interesting. And like two is. in the top 50. So it's just like, like sparse right now. I don't know what the deal is. Cause you know, the women are at home reading. You know, yes. they are. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At the, at the exclusion of everything else, it would be me. Cause I'd be like, <laughs> here's a worksheet kids. I'm going to read. Cause I, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind if I don't. Yeah. Right. A little, little sanity break from reading. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, looking back over your career so far, what do you think 
that has been the best thing you've done to set yourself up to be successful? Um, I think for me, I could pinpoint that on like my Harris Brothers series is such a huge part of my brand. And it's where I think I found my most loyal readers. And so that series started because I was writing my London Lover series, which is my more emotional series. And I was writing the, it would have been the one, two, three, four, fifth book in that series. And um, I wrote this heroine who had four brothers that played soccer in England. Cause I was like, wouldn't it be cool to write a girl who has all these big overpowering brothers? Like what a fun scene, like they're going to, you know, yeah. not be cool with him and there'll be some really fun dynamic scenes. And I literally hadn't even considered writing sports romance at that point in my life. Um, so I just thought they'd be fun in secondaries. And I thought if I write them as secondaries, I don't even have to know anything about soccer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I so, but then as soon as I published that book, everyone's like, oh my God, when are these brothers going to have stories? And I'd like, I'd never even thought about it, which is like very small minded of me when I look back (laughs) on it. But it's just so funny because I was like, oh, I guess I could write sports romance. And I feel like since then, brothers um, series have really taken off. I think um, there's a few authors out there like that are doing really great brothers series. Adriana Locke has a great mm-hmm. brothers series. Penny Reed, her Winston brothers yes. are huge. Yes. You know, there's just something about brothers and that family banter between yes. them that I think uh, female readers really respond to. So I guess, you know, that was one, like I just never realized that those secondary characters would become such a huge turning point in my career. So I'm really grateful that I had that random idea. Actually it was um one of my beta readers at the time gave me the random idea and I was like, okay, sure. Brothers that play soccer. I'll, I'll yeah. Say that. Yeah. Thank, like, goodness you, thank goodness there were four of them, right? Yeah. Just one. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. It worked out real well for me. <laughs> That's great. So Amy, tell people where they can find you and your books. Yeah, I'm all over the interwebs. Uh, my my website is amydawsauthor.com. I send a lot of people there because that's got all the links. But um, for the most part, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, it's Amy Dawes Author. So um, I'm pretty active on my social media, and I'm pretty shameless. So uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you can come by and have some laughs. Oh, that's great. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for being with us. This has been so fun and just really informative. I think that our listeners will get a lot out of this podcast. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening. You can find show notes at the Wish I'd Known Them for Writers.com website, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Them podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.